It's my privilege this morning to read our scripture passage, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. My dear brothers and sisters, I love you and long to see you, for you are my joy and the reward for my work. So please stay true to the Lord, my dear friends. And now I want to plead with those two women, Yudia and Sinche. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true teammate, to help these women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. And they worked with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing. And the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. Well, you up for a little game this morning? I need your help on this one. It's called the word association game. And I'll give you the word and you do the association with your neighbor on your right, on your left. Uh, if you're alone, just imagine you've got somebody beside you and you're just talking. I'll, I know you're okay. Uh, and I'll name a role or a sport and you tell the person beside you the name uh, of the person that comes to your mind and represents the world's greatest in that area of life. Ready for the first one? Basketball player. Golf. Golf. CFL quarterback. Bit of a trick one. Singer, Canadian. Ballet dancer. Thought maybe got a little quiet on that one. <laughs> uh, but here's the question. Here's the question we want to put a big circle around. How do these people get to be the best in the world? How do these people become so proficient in what they do, in their disciplines, whether sport or academics? And the answer is, they practice. I heard it. They practice. We're going to spend a little uh, time in Michigan leaving tomorrow. We'll spend some time with uh, our daughter Angela and Jeremy and, uh, and, and our three grandchildren. And that's wonderful. And the bonus is, 
They have nice golf courses in Michigan. And so for the next couple of weeks, I get to practice golf. Why? Because I need it. (laughs) And even practicing is fun when you're golfing. What are you practicing these days? No doubt you're practicing something. Maybe you're practicing eating healthier. That's great. Maybe you're practicing the discipline of exercise, and that's great. Maybe you're practicing your sales skills for your business. Maybe you're grabbing coffees and lunches with those a little further along in their leadership skills, and you're gleaning from them. That's good. I've never forgotten the comments of John Maxwell, who used to call someone who was further along in their growth as a leader. And he would, he would say, could I have a lunch with you? Could I have a coffee with you? And he'd bring along his eight and a half by 11 pad. And as the person talked, he would ask them specific questions. And he would learn from them because they were further along in their leadership skills. John was interested to grow and to get better. Maybe you're practicing your management, classroom management skills that you'll get to use in a month or so. I want to talk this morning about practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. We can get better at hearing the whispers of God. We can get better. We just need to keep practicing. We get better at recognizing the nudges that God sends to us. And we can identify with little Samuel, we talked about him last week, who didn't know who was speaking to him, but then his, his mentor, Eli, said, just say, listen, uh, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. There's a passage of scripture in John 15 that speaks about Jesus being the grapevine and we are the branches. When we bought our house some years ago, little did we know that we inherited a grapevine. I didn't know what that was growing out front. Um, But then I discovered that it was producing some real grapes. And uh, it's just a little vine, but with a little bit of nurture and a little bit of care and really understanding that it's a grapevine, which helped us initially, it, it has really produced. It produces 30 jars of grape jelly every year that Mark diligently makes. We realized if we we're going to have some fruit from the vine that we better take care of it as we should. And now it produces Jesus said in John 15 that he was the vine and we are the branches. And he spends eight amazing verses telling us that the secret to a fruitful life is being connected to the vine. We must remain in the vine. And we must be committed to the pruning process. But the key is to remain in the vine. If we are severed from the vine, we have no life in us. I love the way the message translation phrases it. We must make our home in God. 
We must make our home in God. It is constantly practicing the presence of God and being connected to Him. How do we practice the presence of God? Probably many ways. I don't pretend to, to give you the full scope here. But just let me give, give you a couple of things. Number one is taking control of our thought life. Taking control of our thought life. The mind will either lead you to victory or it will chase you down the road to defeat. It can be your greatest friend or it can be your greatest enemy, your mind, your thought life. It needs work. <laughs> it needs practice. It's like herding cattle. For you that have been on, raised on the farm, hard to control the cattle out on the range. Oh, they're breaking out everywhere. But get them in the corral and you can work with them. How do you corral the thoughts in your mind and make them work for you and not against you? My wife often identifies a great verse in Philippians 4, chapter 8, that we read this morning as one of her favorites. And I'm beginning to appreciate this verse more and more through life. We would do well to keep vigilant with this verse. It goes like this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now just look at that verse. It's loaded with meaning. It's loaded with meaning. There are so many parts that you could analyze in that. And if we want to hear the whispers of God, it's important to put the right stuff in, in your mind. Things that are true. Yeah, fix your thoughts on things that are true. What are the things that are true? If you're a follower of Christ, what are the things that are true? Thank you, uh, Lorraine, uh, for just reminding us this morning of Anne Voskamp's quote in that 1,000 Gifts. God is always good, and I am always loved. That's true. God is always good, and I am always loved. We had a wonderful group this past Wednesday evening. And we prayed for one another in our group. And it's just a, a, a blessing to be able to pray for one another. And there were those in our group on this particular evening that were struggling with their identity, feeling sidelined and not important. Some, somehow the devil had whispered some things into the ear to say, you're not valuable, you're not important. And as we prayed for them, there was just this wonderful sense of affirmation for their hearts, and they received it. And they walked out strengthened. Here are some great reminders. You are not only loved by God. Ah, oh, but you're chosen by him too. We're all chosen. You are not only loved by God, but you're chosen by him. You are free from condemnation. In Christ, you're free. You are an overcomer. You don't have to be defeated by this life. You're an overcomer in Christ. You are safe in God's firm grip. You're safe. You are able to withstand any temptation that comes your way through the power of Christ. 
And I could go on and on. You might be entertaining lies in your mind. It's like the cattle getting loose out on the range. And you're believing that nobody wants you. You're believing nobody loves you. You're believing you're worthless. You're believing that you will never be free from that sin. That you will always be captured. You'll always be slave to it. That's not what the Bible says. That's not true. Practice expelling those thoughts. Practice corralling those thoughts and boot them out. Fixing your thoughts on what is honorable, Paul says. The first part was true. Now he talks about being honorable. If you put your mind on dishonorable stuff, it will steal your joy. It will rob you of your victory. You know, it takes practice to finally realize that. We go through a lot of years of life before we get that. If you put your mind on dishonorable stuff, it will steal your joy. It will rob you. I'm being robbed because I'm allowing my mind to think about the next indulgence, the next drink, the next online porn session, the next inappropriate meeting. It takes practice to say, I won't allow that. I won't allow that into my life because I see what it does to me. It neutralizes my walk with God. It's not the legacy I want to leave. It destroys. If your thoughts are honorable, you'll impact your kids. If your thoughts are honorable, you'll impact your neighbors. You'll impact your friends. They will see and they will follow. And you will be a model and encouragement to them because you live with freedom. You live with freedom in your life. And we could go on. Paul says, fix your mind on those things that are right. Those things that are right. Remember Solomon? That was his request of God when he took over the reins of leadership as the new king. He was overwhelmed with the responsibility as a young man. He wanted to be out there taking notes with an eight and a half by eleven notepad and say, how do I do this? And God said to him, how can I help you, Solomon, in your new role? And I love 1 Kings 3.8. Solomon said, give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil, for who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people? Home run, Solomon. What a great question to God. Help me know right from wrong and be wise and discerning. And you know God answered that prayer? You know he answered that prayer in such a powerful way. There's no one who ever lived is like Solomon in terms of his wisdom. Do you suppose God's willingness to grant the ability to tell right from wrong stopped with Solomon? If you and I were to seriously make the same request, don't you think God would be gracious to help us and give us wisdom to know the difference between right and wrong? What a wonderful thing to have a discerning mind. Weighing the thoughts, weighing the thoughts, approving the good, rejecting the evil. Practice in prayer. And then Paul underscores the word purity in this passage. Purity. If you have a mind that is pure, 
It will impact people all over the place and you will build trust with people if your mind is pure, if your thoughts are pure. Your actions will also be pure. Relationally, you'll tell the truth. Academically, you will refuse to cheat to accomplish your goals. And you will move past the pictures. You'll move past the video. You'll move past the movies that, that promote impurity as something worth pursuing. And you won't have to walk away from a movie saying, ah, this was supposed to be a free night. This was supposed to be an uplifting night. I walk away and I actually feel drained. I actually feel embarrassed. I actually feel embarrassed about what I just saw. Sexually, you will treat others with respect. Before you sneak a peek at some alluring website, think about how it will affect your primary relationships. And you, you can see all the words that Paul uses. And they're all about corralling our thoughts. Putting practice, putting in the good thoughts and expelling the negative thoughts. Practicing. You see the point I'm trying to make? As you discipline your mind, you can become receptive to the whispers of God. As you discipline your mind, you become receptive to the whispers of God. One of the NFL receivers uh, in, uh, said, I get up every morning and I do a certain amount of core exercise. He said, I might be able to, r to run and receive passes, but I do a thousand sit-ups every day. Uh, oh my. A thousand? A thousand? I mean, a hundred is a, a thousand every day. What is he saying? I keep practicing. I keep in shape. It's true also of the mind. It takes work. It takes practice. That's boot camp. Paderewski, the renowned Polish pianist in the first half of the 20th century, insisted that he had to play scales for three hours daily. Somebody said, why? A skilled musician of your caliber, you are doing scales? He said, if I skip one day of scales, when I play in concert, I notice it. If I skip two days of scales, my coach will notice it. And if I skip three days, the world will notice it. So we did three hours of scales every day. Regularly playing scales develops and maintains the dexterity of a performer's fingers. The regular corralling of our thoughts is just like that. Core exercise, day after day after day, taking care of business with our mind, helping us remove the clutter, and opening our hearts and minds to Jesus and his whispers. Now he can whisper into our minds, we've got all that stuff corralled and booted. There's a second way that we can practice the presence of God, and, and that is by our communication with him. Regular, <clears throat> daily communication. Some of you might have read some things by Rosalind Rinker. <clears throat> She's written some great books on prayer. She once said of God, uh, he is always conscious of us, but we need to focus our attention and our consciousness upon him. And then he can whisper to us the love plans he has for us. Isn't that good? He can whisper to us the love plans that he has for us. God is always conscious of us. 
Sometimes we think, oh, he has so much in his mind, he's running a whole universe. And me? I'm just a dot in the universe. He can't be thinking much about me. <coughs> but he is. But he is. Because he's God. He has that ability. He has that capability. So what a combination. You are always in his heart. <clears throat> if we are conscious of God a little more, we would put ourselves in a position to hear his whispers more often. If we are conscious of God a little more, we put ourselves in a position to hear his whispers more often. <clears throat> In your uh, travels, I expect that you have uh, come across the book by Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence. His real name was Nicholas Herman, but he wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. It's become a very famous book. I used to have it in my library. I think I lent it out to somebody, and I don't know where it's at. Uh, but it's, uh, it didn't just come off the press. It came off the press in about the 17th century. So it's an old book, but it's a great book. And Brother Lawrence got a little tired of the routines of life, <clears throat> kind of asking, is that all there is? So he entered a monastery to devote himself fully, as he thought, to serving the Lord. Well, he didn't expect that the leaders of the monastery would put him in charge of kitchen duty. Camp Caroline kitchen duty. There we go. And uh, he said it was all right. Probably not what he was expecting as a means of growing in the Lord. But over time, something interesting happened. Rather than viewing his work as penance, he began to find satisfaction there. In his words, slaving over a hot stove taught me how to practice the presence of God. Understandably, the other monks began to notice that the guy who was on kitchen duty had turned over a new leaf. And so they probed. In response, Brother Lawrence said that he was learning to practice God's presence in the little duties of life. It's nothing all that mysterious, he said. I just communicate with God all the time. Did you catch that last line? I just communicate with God all the time, said Brother Lawrence. Well, how many of us have similar routines? We have to make supper. We have to do the dishes. We have to vacuum. We have to cut the grass, we have to paint the fence, and so on and so on. Could we say with Brother Lawrence, it's nothing all that mysterious. I just communicate with God all the time. The priority is communication. Continually communicating with God. As Bill Hybels writes, as though we have a Bluetooth device in one ear with a constant connection to heaven. I like that. It's like we have a Bluetooth device in one ear with a constant connection to heaven. We're never out of touch with God all day long, walking, running, biking, golfing, working, studying. We can communicate. Lord, how, how do I do that? Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, would you have a parking spot for me? I'm late. Lord, what a beautiful sunset. Awesome, awesome, Lord. You're awesome. Continued conversation. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers 
and requests. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Invite God to join you on every part of the journey. Practice the invitation over and over again. He never grows weary of your communication. Jesus, would you help me today? Ha, heads pounding. Jesus, I'm at loggerheads with this guy. How do, how do we get through this stuff? Jesus, this worked out beautifully. We scored hugely. And Lord, it's you working on our behalf. Every success I know is due to you. Receive the glory. Here's the well-known statement by Brother Lawrence. He was asked, how do you balance your life, the work part and the spiritual part? And he said, the time of business does not with me matter, does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are all at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the Blessed Sacrament. Practicing the presence all day long. A divine Bluetooth in your ear, heart tuned to him, constant communication, getting to know the heart of God. And then the third way we can practice the presence of God is by paying close attention to the word of God. This is the discipline of reading the word and getting it into our hearts because God speaks through his word I know, I know, if you're saying to me this morning, I, sometimes I read it and I just don't get it. Sometimes I read it and I, I don't connect with it. And I just want to say to you this morning, join the crowd. I, I feel that way at times too. I, it doesn't always connect. Sometimes I have to work with it more than... But stay vigilant. Make sure you're reading from a translation that is easy for you to understand. There are lots of great translations. Probably we got some at the back if you looked after the service. We, we agree reading from the King James Version is kind of tough at times. But there are other translations that read much easier. Make sure you're reading from something that's easy for you to get. And the Life Journal has blessed my life over and over again. It's, it's a systematic approach to reading the scripture. And there are journals back there, and you can get them and start on a process of reading through the scriptures systematically. I love the verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it says that the early followers of Christ devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. They were absolutely committed to reading and obeying the word of God. Why did they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching? Simple. When they dedicated themselves to the book, they came closer to God. They came to know and understand the heart of God. The book changed them. The book was inspired by the Holy Spirit, was now being illuminated by the Holy Spirit as they read it and obeyed it. We get a chance every day if we want to, to sit down with David, to sit down with the Apostle Paul, to sit down with Peter, to sit down with Moses or, or Gideon, and they've already walked this road before us. And they can tell us how to live. And as we listen to them, we hear the voice of God in our own hearts. And God speaks to us. And it might be just a word, just a word for you. But just a nugget. Just at the right time. Practice, practice, practice. That's the thought this morning. That's the thought. We all get to practice every day. Every day. We never finish practicing and learning and growing. So be encouraged today 
None of us have got to the end of the line. We're just all practicing, trying to get better at this, taking care of the mind, protecting it, guarding it, corralling those negative thoughts and booting them. Be encouraged as you grow in constant communication with the Lord and be encouraged as you spend time in the Word. Closing thought. Author Wilbur Rees put it this way. I'd like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. What's that? I'd like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep. Just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a difficult person or pick beats with a migrant worker. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of a womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy just three dollars worth of God, please. Oh no, please, please, no. We don't want that. Some of us run the risk of getting to the end of life's day, believing that we've actually tried the Christian life. When we've only gotten a whiff of it, like that brunch that's coming in, just a whiff of it, just a whiff of the relationship and the power and the kingdom for which we were born. The heart of God throbs to have you taste and see how good he is and to take refuge in him, Psalm 34, 8. His heart is what your heart needs and what everyone affected by your heart needs. What everyone affected by your heart needs. So is there anything holding you back from pulling out all the stops and living in the freedom of a life that's fully committed to practicing the presence of God? Is there anything holding you back? By God's grace, not three dollars worth of God. No.